Hey there, welcome to the show. So here we are, June. How's everybody feel? Well, you know what? I know for a fact that most people are still thinking about real estate. And, you know, with uh, this week's rate increase, you know, a lot of people are really starting to think about real estate. Should I buy or should I go? You know, this is the thing. I am um, one of the uh, one of the great things about doing this show for everybody each week is it allows me to bring on the real estate experts. And speaking of, I've got Dave Butler. He's going to be joining me in a minute. And uh, then a little bit later in the hour, I've got the new president of the Ontario Real Estate Association, Stacey Avoy. And then a little bit later, Bryn Lackey. You can catch her column in the Toronto Sun. And Bryn is a, I call them professional realtors. These are the people that do it every single day. So great lineup this week. And we are going to be talking about what is happening in the market. And of course, the influence of interest rates and what it can do. And, you know, I just don't want everybody thinking the sky's falling. And no, I am not just the guy with the glasses that is half full all the time because I want people to own real estate. Um, but I do want people to keep real estate. There is a big difference. And so lots of discussions this hour about that because I think if if we take a look at the ebb and flow of real estate, you know, never measure it by the month, measure it by the year and decade. And that's where we find real estate probably is still going to be the strongest investment you can find. Uh, speaking of investing, don't forget, you can uh, catch me at thesimpleinvestor.com or on Instagram at thesimpleinvestor1. Yeah, we've got a great release going on right now out of London. And uh, we've got one bedroom units starting at 279.9. Yes, and it's positive cash flow even with the interest rate increase. So if you want to go find out more, go to thesimpleinvestor.com so you can. But, uh, you know, as I mentioned, you know, market, the market's still good and we're not seeing the prices go backwards. So I don't want everybody to think that the sky's falling, but I guess the best way for us to get a little bit of an idea about the kind of effect that we'd be looking at right now with interest rates, I'm going to bring in, you know, my mortgage expert who I rely on, Dave Butler from BM Select. Dave, you know what? Let's just cut to the chase. Bank of Canada once again decides to put the screws to us. And, you know, as much as uh, we were hoping that Tiff Macklin might be using a little bit of caution here, 0.5% increase on the Bank of Canada rate. What's your take on it? Yeah, I, I think this was pretty telegraphed. You know, I think the bond yields and the bond market had kind of priced in this move. Um, you know, obviously right now we're seeing the Bank of Canada Prime now going to be sitting at 3.7. Um, current, current customers that are looking to get into new variable rates are still finding discounts anywhere from 0.5 and up. So you are going to have a lot of people still able to get a low threes on their rate with regards to a variable. And of course, if you've got an old prime minus 0.8, prime minus 0.9, or even prime minus 1%, you're in now the high twos. Uh, so your interest rate is still pretty attractive. Um, you know, I think the biggest the biggest thing, and to me, it's going to come down to the July 13th meeting. Um, and that's where another uh, rate announcement will be made, uh, whether they go up by 0.25, go up by 0.5 or stand pat. Those look to be the three most probable options. But yeah, I think this was this was a pretty telegraphed move. I think the bond market had clearly priced it in. Um, we're seeing the bond markets, the bond yields starting to push up again, which you know could mean that they're trying to price in a July increase. But um, again, we'll see what TIFF does. Uh, this is going to be a big decision. The July meeting, I believe, is going to be a telltale sign of where we're going for the rest of the year. 
Yeah. You know, and that's, that's the thing. So when, when they leave the door open to higher rates, you know, where, and, and, and I know this is going to sound odd. What are they trying to achieve? I mean, you know, you can sit there and start interest everybody to death right now, but clearly, you know, things such as, and the biggest consumable right now is the gas, right? When we take a look at oil prices and they're almost punishing Canadians because they haven't been able to manage the expectation on our, our fuel and they can't just automatically say everything has to go green. That's not legitimate. So, you know, where where does the punishment stop? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the big question is and I know a lot of smart people have been discussing the fact that, you know, with prices where they are, inflation where it's at, raising the rates, um, you know, they, if, if they're going to keep this attack on inflation, which you know, is something they need to be looking at. Um, what, what point do we end up putting the country in a recession? And then, of course, as we've talked about on the show many times, um, when you're in a recession, you're generally not in a position to raise rates. If anything, in a recession, you're going to see economies and central banks lower their rates. And so what are we doing then? So we're just raising rates to attack inflation, but we're going to then trigger potentially a recession and we're going to have to put the rates back down um, it seems like a bit of a yo-yo at the moment, but you know, this seems to be the game they played Their Their mandate apparently is obviously to attack inflation and they're seemingly doing that with blinders on, but at some point they'll have to take the blinders off and see what destruction they've left on the other side. So Dave, when we talk about it though, you know, there's been that, <clears throat> that, you know, outrage about prices of real estate, which you and I both know around the world, real estate itself has gone up in value. You've got, you know, material costs, labor costs. You know, the fact that, you know, the earth isn't getting any bigger. We are using up land. So at the end of the day, you know, are they trying to also over control the real estate market? I mean, you know, just because you've got, you know, I'm going to say not in my backyard kind of, you know, people out there. Um, the fact is, is that, you know, if you're trying to jam pricing down, what better than to turn around and make it unaffordable? Yeah, I, it's funny. I <laughs> I look at it as more of a temporary uh, situation in that. You know, it's it's and it it's to me a lot of politics. I think that what we're seeing is a lot of um, grandstanding, a lot of uh, maneuvers politically to try to make it seem like they're doing something. Um, the reality is, is I I don't think you can stop the train that is is that the housing market in many big countries. I think that we have a big issue. We have a big supply demand issue. You can curb demand all you want with rates. At the end of the day, you can't stop the numbers, which is we are bringing in more people than we are able to provide housing for. And regardless of that, that is always going to lead to price increasing over time. You can certainly have dips and, and certainly you can wane demand by doing what they're doing with regards to the rates. But at the end of the day, I think that a lot of smart people understand where the direction of this is going long term. And we're seeing this. I mean, I'm, I work with, as you know, we work with investors, uh, people that are looking to buy and accumulate real estate all the time. Um, the biggest thing and the biggest discussions we're having with them is, you know, when do they keep getting more aggressive? When are they going to buy more? If prices of homes are going to fall by 10, 20, 30 percent, I can promise you there is a handful of investors that are going to be looking at scooping those up because they believe that that is a short-term dip into what they believe is a long-term secular, secular, secular bull market in Canadian real estate. And they think it's going to pay off. 
Yeah, but Dave, you know, you, you, you mentioned 10, 20, 30. So just so you know, uh, I'm going to give you a quick disclaimer. Anything that Dave says moving forward is not my opinion and will not be supported. <laughs> this, you know, I'm, I'm not going to tell anybody, Dave, that, that we're going to be dropping 30% because I just don't think the market has that ability to do it. You know, can we see a little bit of a hiccup, you know, five or 10%? It's possible, but that's only, that's only going to take you backwards to January, 2022 because of our big run-up that we had this year. So I, I, I don't want people to like start feeling that, you know, interest rates go up by half a point, which means your price is going to go down by 10%. You know, that that's the one concern that I don't want, you know, people thinking out there because here's the thing, you mentioned a good point. You got a, a historic number of people that are going to immigrate into the country. Guess what? Everybody needs a roof over their head. Only one of two ways. You're either going to own it or you're going to rent it. And so this is the thing. So no matter what, we are still going to have that necessity for a roof over everybody's head. Yeah. I mean, and you know what? And I think the crazy part is, and I think this is, this is the key to think about if, if there was some type of crazy reduction in the price, uh, the, the values of prices, there is an absolute so much demand that would pick that up. Any type of big dip like that will be bought. It will be short term and it will not last long. So, I mean, if that was to get to that point, I believe that there is a ton of people out there that will pick that up and buy it because they're going to see the value. And again, secular bull market here, I believe, Canada, this is a long-term secular bull. And I don't believe there's anyone getting off this horse that, that it should. You sound like a cowboy, Dave. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so if we're, if we're going to, uh, you know, just do a quick, you know, I said update on this. So we've got 0.5 increase probably we're taking a look at variable rates somewhere in just above 3%. Yeah, if we're taking a look at any kind of fixed rate, where's the bond market sitting today and are we going to see some fluctuation there? Yeah, I just checked the bond yields actually before we jumped on the air and, and we are seeing currently there is a bit of a rally. I believe that is because of the Bank of Canada announcement. Um, you've got some people obviously that are going to be betting that the Bank of Canada may keep increasing the prime rate. And if that happens, the yields will go up a bit. With that said, currently right now, five-year fixed rates with the big major banks, we're seeing in the four and a quarter to four and a half percent range. Um, and certainly if the yields keep popping up, we will see that drive up a little bit. But again, you know, these could be temporary increases. We have to see long-term what happens. And more importantly, we have to see what happens with the July 13th Bank of Canada meeting and the language that's used. Because again, I think that's going to set the tone for the rest of the year. If we see them kind of make the stance that they may look at kind of cooling off the rate increases, I can pretty much tell you the bond yields will start heading back down into a direction that should allow the fixed rates to come back down. And then we should get some balance, at least in the market. And then we'll see where we go into the end of 2022. Yeah, excellent. Listen, Dave, always a pleasure having you on the show. Can you tell our listeners how to reach you? Yeah, sure. They can get us a call at the office, one 684 or you can reach us via email. We're at info at bmselect.ca. Excellent. Well, folks, that was Dave Butler from BM Select. And when I come back, I've got Stacey Evoy joining me, president of the Ontario Real Estate Association. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. As I mentioned just before the break, my next guest joining me, she is the president of the Ontario Real Estate Association. And by the way, folks, 92,000. 
thousand realtors uh joining me president stacy evoy and stacy welcome to the show thank you todd thanks for having me a real pleasure and uh, i have to tell you stacy i had uh, tim hudak on a couple weeks ago he had great things to say about you and maybe you could just uh, give our listeners a little bit of your background in real estate sure I started in real estate 19 years ago. Um, I was a University of Guelph grad. Um, We settled in London, Ontario, where I got my real estate license, and I've been working here ever since. Uh, In 2016, I had the honor of serving as the president of the local realtor board, the London St. Thomas Association of Realtors. And once I completed my term there, I ran for the board of directors for Ontario and uh, I'm thrilled to be serving as their president for 2022. Wow. You know, it's uh, it's interesting times. And Stacey, I'm sure that, you know, you've been able to follow the market, especially through COVID. Um, tell, tell us a, a little bit about, you know, some of the obstacles that you've seen over the last two years. So obstacles, I would say um, the pandemic presented a lot of challenges for people. So, um, you know, first, uh, it was possible that two people found themselves working from home. Uh, So the need for more than one office in a home, Uh, and then compounded by the fact that if you had children, they were also learning from home. So, you know, the average family home wasn't uh, serving the needs. Uh, And then outdoor spaces became very important when people couldn't travel and there was really nowhere to go uh, when people were at at home stays, um, they wanted backyards. So pools became such a hot commodity, Um, but just great outdoor spaces overall with outdoor kitchens or, you know, even just some room for the kids to play. So people's priorities just shifted. And then what happened was when you coupled uh, the low inventory problem with then the number of uh, people that were out there uh, looking, it just got crazy um, out there in the market. And it was a problem that extended from Thunder Bay to Windsor, um, London and area. So St. Thomas, Sarnia, Chatham, everyone was experiencing the same thing. And it suddenly was not a GTA problem any longer. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things that I think uh, for a lot of our listeners, you know, if they're in the GTA area, they don't realize how much value appreciation happened in the outer markets. But, you know, I don't want to take away from London. I mean, London has over a population of a half a million people. I mean, it's, it's a very, you know, uh, very strong, you know, well-versed city. Lots of employment, lots of opportunity. Uh, you know, you've got great education, great uh, hospitals. So when when you saw this, you know, a couple of years ago, did you see more of an influx out of the GTA towards London? So I would say it's gone in ebbs and flows. So I would say um, there was times uh, when we saw a lot of Toronto people uh, coming to London when they were getting priced out of the GTA market. Then I would say we saw an out-migration during the pandemic when people realized that they could work from centers other than Toronto. And then I would say we started seeing a big cooling off as soon as people were going back to work. And then um, all of a sudden they needed to be sort of back in those um, metro areas. Um, So right now, I would say there's not as many folks uh, coming from Toronto for sure. Uh, which is, you know, contributed to the downward pressure on um, both the number of buyers and the number of sales happening. Right. 
Now, I guess that would be indicative for the entire market right now. We've had some upward pressure with interest rates. Are you seeing, you know, the effect throughout um, the province of Ontario? So they changed the interest rates and, you know, we knew it was coming. It had been so long uh, that it had been stabilized and so low. Um, I'm not entirely sure that it will have the effect uh, that they think it will in terms of uh, cooling the market. I think that uh, it just coincided to be a perfect storm with, um, you know, more inventory coming on. So I think at the end of 2022, we'll be better able to say how much interest rates actually impacted the market. I don't expect them to have a great effect uh, on the market unless um, they keep continuing to rise. So, um, you know, Stacey, when we when we talk about um, you know, the market itself, interest rates, a lot of people are saying the unaffordability is creating the problem. You know, I've always had this conversation with a lot of the real estate professionals that we have a lack of inventory. So as the president of the Ontario Real Estate Association, what are some of the things that you see as, you know, some of the things that you have to overcome to get more inventory in the market? Because I think that's going to help affordability. I agree. So um, during this election campaign, we've been shouting from the rooftop that uh, housing needs to be the number one issue and that affordability goes right along with that. Um, And there's things that the um, government at all levels can do in terms of freeing up some supply sooner rather than later. For over three decades, we haven't kept up with the pace of building and supply and the amount of people that are moving both to Ontario and to Canada. So there's a few things. Um, The number one thing I would say that could change it overnight is to end exclusionary zoning. So if that was done by the province, then the municipalities would also be able to adopt these policies and the province should make it mandatory. Because it's crazy when you think that someone can go and tear down a small wartime bungalow and build a monster monstrosity mansion on the lot. Uh, but they can't uh, build a duplex or a triplex on the same lot that may house two or three families. So the end to exclusionary zoning is a huge one. And um, whichever government is in power tomorrow, that's the first item that they should adopt to add to help with the supply crisis and the affordability crisis in Ontario. So, you know, a lot's made of obviously pricing, but you know, being in real estate for as long as you've you've been, you you know that there's kind of a natural increase in values. I mean, historically, you know, markets go up, you know, a certain percentage per year over the last hundred years. You know, for people to sit there and keep saying, you know, we need a crash, we need the market to go back to a 2014 price, but we don't have material costs, labor costs, you know, the same amount of land we did, you know, call it seven, eight, nine years ago. And so I I think one of the things that the public have to be made aware of is the fact that there is going to be a certain neutral level for the value of real estate. I agree. In London, uh, which is the market I can speak uh, best to, we've never sort of had the huge um, highs and lows that, for example, a Toronto or a Vancouver market have had. Uh, In London, it's always just progressively, you know, values would increase a bit. And even if they sort of stabilized for a bit, they weren't dropping. Um, London um, had had lagged so far behind other centres like um, Hamilton, Kitchener, Waterloo. London continued to be um, so affordable compared to other cities of the same size. 
Um, I think that what you'll see going forward is that uh, values will remain. Just what you won't see is, you know, the 10 offers. So it going, you know, the 80 to 100 or more over asking. But I don't believe that you're going to see the values tank because I think London just over the years had so much catching up to do. And just to add to that a bit further, when you look at the outlying areas, so like if, if St. Thomas, for example, Strathroy, Sarnia, if those areas weren't seeing the increase in values, then you might look at it and say, okay, well, London is going to crash, you know, like sometimes we see Toronto do. When you see um, how much housing's costing in all of these outlying areas, it, it only makes sense that London's values will hold uh, in the way um, that they've been going. And that, you know, the opportunities to buy and get a deal are like the days of yesterday. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, definitely the brick and mortar value in the outer markets is definitely there. Um, Stacey, we're going to go to a quick break. But folks, when I come back, I'll have more with the president of the Ontario Real Estate Association, Stacey Evoy. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. Um, just before the break, I was talking to Stacey Evoy, and she is the president of the Ontario Real Estate Association with over 92,000 members. You know, uh, Stacey, just before the break, we were talking about, obviously, what's going on in the markets. And then I kind of registered. I went, 92,000 realtors. Uh, that's an incredible number. And I'm just going to ask you, membership seems to be up a lot over the last couple of years you know, it's kind of that ebb and flow of the marketplace. When the market starts doing really well, it seems like a lot of realtors gravitate towards or people gravitate towards becoming realtors. It's true, Todd. The numbers sure indicate uh, that uh, the numbers uh, have grown uh, quite a bit over the past few years and not just in uh, major centers, but all across uh, the province. I know even in London, um, a few years back, it, the numbers were stabilized and they bounced around, you know, 1600, 1650. And, you know, some agents would retire and some new agents would come in and it was sort of balanced. And now I know even in London, there's over 2200 agents. So lots of uh, people have come to real estate um, as a career over the past few years. And um, yeah, we're just seeing uh, lots of people. You know, it's interesting because, and, and I know you follow the news, especially, um, you know, working with Aria. The fact is that there's a, there's a lot of this, and I'll call it a little bit of a public misperception, but it's something I want to address with you because it is it is a, something that, you know, we've got to be able to overcome. And it's the, the, I guess, the interpretation of multiple offers. And it's been a big thing. You know, the, the federal government, provincial government, a bunch of them want to weigh in to start controlling how offer process goes. But you know, to date, I think that, you know, you dealing with professional realtors, and, and I always wear that, by the way, on, on the show, I always make sure that I, I, I'm very clear, I like professional realtors, I like full-time, you know, realtors, and the people that know how to conduct a multiple offer situation, they do it, you know, ethically, correctly, with the proper disclosures in place. A couple bad apples have brought this to light, and it seems like the public perception now is that the system's completely gamed. Can we talk about that? Sure. So uh, you bring up a number uh, of points and, you know, no one uh, from my camp is ever going to deny that uh, there's some bad apples out there with new legislation uh, coming in uh, in April of next year. You know, we really want to come down hard on people who don't play by the rules. Um, but some of what you're talking about is the blind bidding. Um, you know, the liberals talked about it in the federal uh, election campaign and 
more recently, Ontario uh, came out saying um, that uh, the sellers and buyers would have a choice with regards to the offer process, which really, Todd, is the way that it should be. Uh, you know, sellers should be able to sell their home in the way uh, that they wish. Um, you know, if they uh, want to disclose uh, everything and the buyers participating are in agreement, uh, then that's the way that it should be done. More choice is definitely a good thing. Um, you know, government uh, intervention has never um, served us well in terms of um, our industry because, you know, it's complex. And you are right, uh, when realtors play by the rules that for the most part in my experience, I would say happens, uh, it is a fair and transparent uh, process, what ends up happening. What ends up happening is, you know, for the most part, the buyer who wants to pay the most money and who wants the property is usually the one that wins the property. There's other cases where that isn't true. So for example, you know, sometimes buyers write a letter and for whatever reason, it's compelling um, to the seller. But I would say 99% of the time, uh, the person who makes the highest bid with the most favorable closing date and conditions is the winner of the property, which is, you know, to me, a fair and honest way of doing an offer process. So I'm going to ask you, Stacey, have you ever been involved in a auction style bid? No, I haven't. Uh, it's not uh, very popular in London. Um, so I've never even seen one other than um, on TV. <laughs> um, you know, it's very popular uh, in New Zealand. And that was the model that we really looked at and examined in Canada to see if it was something uh, that we thought would work here. Um, you know, when you look at a traditional offer, uh, you know, there's concerns with that as well. Um, you know, people get fired up and, you know, they have passion. And, you know, when one person wants to pay more, the other person, you know, wants to pay more than that person. And it's been shown that it it didn't actually ever bring prices down. In fact, it seems to have had the opposite effect. For me as a real estate professional, my concern around an auction is, it's so heated and so fast that um, people don't have time to just like stop and take a breath and either, you know, confer with their real estate professional to get advice or confer with like a lawyer, a mortgage broker, an accountant, you know, in terms of tax implications. Um, whereas with our process, you know, people have time, they see a property, you know, they might have, you know, in a crazy market, half a day or a day or a few days if they're holding back offers so that they can do some due diligence in advance. So that's one big concern that I have with uh, the auction uh, process. But in the end, I believe that people should be able to sell their property uh, in whatever uh, fashion fits them because it's not a one uh, size fits all. Yeah, you know, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And uh, folks, joining me right now is Stacey Evoy. She is the president of the Ontario Real Estate Association. Stacey, you know, when when I, you know, think back of all the multiple offers that I had to represent sellers in, you know, one of the one of the biggest things that I always found was that not all, even the purchaser agents, knew how to be in a, a multiple offer situation. Do you think we can actually up the training a little bit more so that we can get you know, our professionals to have a better understanding how they get done? Todd, I think we can always have uh, more education and more training. 
Um, you know, I think the number one uh, way that things go wrong is just lack of experience uh, and or just not knowing something. So I definitely think um, some more can be done in terms of, you know, even training of new salespeople in terms of, um, you know, these situations can be, you know, high stress, you know, they're at, you're operating at a really high level. Um, you know, when you have 18 offers on a property, even just, you know, doing a spreadsheet and being able to keep it all straight, it's just a lot. Um, and it's something very important that's at stake. So I definitely think that more education um, is never a bad thing. You know, I, I have to agree. For for me, as I say, you know, you're right about experience, but you know, one of the things that I think a lot of people should rely on, obviously, are their broker owners helping them. And, and you know, in your case, you know, being at Royal Page, I know that you've got lots of training in your network. And I think a lot of the, the brokerages out there do. So, you know, definitely some opportunity for people to just get a little bit more advancement in this. So, Stacey, if I'm going to ask you, what do you think the year is going to finish off like when we talk about real estate? You know, we've had a little bit of a I'm going to say it's a volume drop, not a price drop, but a volume drop. Where do you think we're going to end out 2022? I still think, Todd, when you when the year rounds out, it's still going to be a great uh, year in real estate. Sure, um, you know, we're kind of in this uh, what I call a transitional market where sellers are having to get used to, um, you know, prices not being maybe what they were because maybe they're not getting as many offers and there's not uh, as much multiple offer interest. Uh, and then buyers um, not assuming that because the market has shifted a bit that, you know, values are going to come down by 100,000. So we're in this transitional phase. I expect 2022 to still end on a really high uh, note, um, you know, pending no more sort of shutdowns or anything like that. But uh, I think you can expect 2022 is still going to be a great uh, year in real estate. Well, Stacey, I greatly appreciate you joining me today and sharing your, your thoughts with our listeners. And thanks so much. And I look forward to having you on again. Thank you so much, Todd. Have an awesome day. So folks, that was Stacey Evoy, and she is the president of the Ontario Real Estate Association. Great to have her on. Um, she's the new president and definitely would love to have her join us again in the future just to keep our eye on what's happening in Ontario real estate. When we come back, we'll have more. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. So my next guest joining me, she's no stranger to the show. I've had her on several times. Always a great guest. Bryn Lackey is joining me. She is a columnist from the Toronto Sun, as well as a professional realtor. And remember, folks, when I say professional, that doesn't mean she does it part. She is a full-time agent in the business, uh, you know, working at street level. And Bryn, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. I love that distinction. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's it's a thing. And, and, you know, a lot of our listeners would know that I'm a huge advocate of professionals in this industry. But professionals to me are not the people that, you know, have another job and they're kind of offsetting their income. And I know with you, you know, you do this, you, you, you know, you live, you breathe it, you know what's going on. So um, one of the main reasons why I think I, I read your column so much is that, you know, I, I feel that you come from a place of knowledge and I think that's so important when you're writing about this stuff. Well, and that's the interesting thing, actually, is half the time I don't even, you know, I, I sort of treat this like my Friday night rush, right? Where, you know, hey, what am I going to write about? But I realize how sort of lacking the coverage is I'm um, sort of in this media landscape about actually on the ground, like what are people seeing and what are they doing? And what are the conversations we're having with clients? So I, I, I think from that perspective, every time I sort of just keep it really simple, like what is happening right now? What do people want to know? 
Well, you know, and this is this is an interesting thing because you know you and I both have the ability to sit back in the seats and watch all the headlines and. You know, there's a lot of misinformation that floats around, I think, in the era of real estate, because everybody's an expert. Have you ever noticed that, you know, like if you meet somebody for the first time, if you don't tell them what you do immediately or they don't recognize your name, let's say from your column or any of those things. Have you ever noticed that when uh, people start talking about real estate, everybody's an expert at it? I, I have. In fact, yes, I've noticed that it's actually gotten to the point where I mean, I forget sort of going to barbecues or parties from the pre-COVID days. But that's not something I would ever lead with. You know, people will finally have to say, sorry, what is it you do? Because I'm like a little gremlin sitting on the side trying not to get involved. Um, you know, and it's one of those things. Everybody thinks they're an expert. Everyone thinks that they've sort of unlocked the code. But then simultaneously, they kind of think that all real estate agents are dummies. So it, it's this kind of perfect storm where they can attribute all sorts of corruption to prices. Yet, you know, in, in the next breath, say that real estate agents don't do anything. Um, so yeah, it's pretty interesting to see how, how there is sort of this broad perception of expertise. Yet we're all idiots. <laughs> Their opinion's the only one that matters, right? So and, yeah, well, and, and and it's funny because it, there's so much diversity in real estate, and you know, obviously there's the home ownership aspect of it. But once somebody's sold a home or flipped a home. You know, they mm -hmm. think that that's the be all and, and, and all of everything. And, and I'm pretty sure that, you know, you representing, you know, uh, you know, your clients, you know, both buying and selling, you know, once you've got a client that does it a few times, they start telling you your job. And, you know, let's, let's talk about the times right now. We've got some moving times. I mean, Bank of Canada, you know, hikes the rate uh, this week, 0.5%. We've got, you know, the, the different mentality. You hear some of the doom saying headlines, you know, sky is falling. You know, this is the thing. It, it, it's such a moving target. So yourself as a professional, where do you see this market going right now? Well, you know, it's interesting because I've been thinking about how sort of hot, super hot, fiery hot the takes are these days. And I think it really sort of corresponds with how polarized everything is, right? Like it is very hard to hear someone say, especially working in this business, you know, everything's fine, but maybe it's not. Let's see, right? Because that almost tells that you don't know what you're doing, right? Like we should have a very forceful opinion. We should be able to back it up with, you know, charts and figures and data. But the reality is right now, there's so many things at play that anyone with a really strongly polarized opinion, they're probably not speaking from a position of sort of openness or honesty, even with themselves. Um, so, you know, as you see all of this going on, yeah, there are definitely, you know, causes for concern. We're seeing slowdowns in the suburban markets. It's bloody, um, downtown prices are, you know, little adjustments here and there, but things are selling. Um, and so as people are screaming that the sky is falling, I think that's a very normal reaction to looking at what could happen after two years of crazy rising um, average sale prices as a result of free money. Well, if the money is no longer free, we're going to see the consequences of that. And so I think it's just basic logic that we should probably um, be bracing ourselves a little bit. But in terms of does this mean sort of the end is here, we certainly don't have any data to support that. It's just conjecture at this point. Yeah. You know, one of the things, and, and, and I'll give you my elevator speech on it, is the fact that if, if people have been smart going into real estate, they didn't buy it as a speculation, they bought it as a hold because all real estate is best served to be held for a long period of time. Right now, if you own investment real estate, your tenant doesn't care if your interest rate is one or a hundred. And so, you know, they still owe you the rent. If you've bought smart, you've got a little bit of cash flow, you're in a good position, just, you know, wait it out and you should be in a good position in the future. 
But the people I think that jumped in, they wanted the quick buck, you know, not, not dissimilar to some of the realtors. You've seen a run up of colleagues where you're saying they're here today, gone tomorrow. You know, all of a sudden we've got this mass number of realtors, you know, or people becoming realtors because they say, oh, I'm going to go make a few quick bucks. The problem that we have to realize is that real estate's long-term period. Everybody needs a roof over their head. If you're, if you're a realtor coming into this business right now, you know, don't do it to make the money quick, do it. So you're creating a career. And this is where I think, you know, the public has this, you know, misperception of real estate. Oh, I mean, for, but it's, of course they do because we're seeing these really strong examples of, Hey, my, my veterinarian's brother's friend, he bought this thing pre-construction. He didn't even have to you know, close on it. He flipped it, made $150,000, right? Like everybody knows that story. And that wasn't even an urban legend. That was you know, there, there were, there were some heydays there where that was certainly the case. And I think, you know, um, it is a long-term thing. I think the tricky part is when the money was free and the carrying costs, you know, were, were holding, it was very easy for people to sit there and do that kind of calculus and say like, Oh, I can live with that kind of risk. Oh, if we're guaranteed to see prices going up, you know, three, five, 10%, then, Oh, okay. You know, what's, what's the harm? I think we're now entering you know, the icky part, which is being a landlord is not <laughs> for the faint of heart. Um, if you're in it to hold, that means you're in it to hold with tenants and maintenance and carrying costs and all of that. Um, so for the people that actually got into it to acquire sort of a portfolio of properties that will be in it for the long haul, I think this is an unpleasant time, but it's not, you know, the end of <laughs> the end of days. I think for the people who sort of saw it as a short term, I don't want to say play because that makes it seem like they're being flippant. I think people who sort of took advantage of the idea that you can't go wrong, I think they're going to see the challenges. And I, especially when you've got, you know, I think part of why we think that Canadian real estate is so safe is that we have all of these sort of financial regulations. When you look at the fact that many, many people in order to get their second properties for drawing on home equity lines of credit, well, that means we have 100% financing for these properties they're buying. So someone who might be able to do it with some equity in there, suddenly 100% financing, they are more rate sensitive than anyone else. And right off the bat, they've, they're in negative equity. So I think we're going to see consequences of that for sure. But I would say that, you know, broadly speaking, you know, there are some bumps and bruises, but I don't think that's the market. I think that's a, you know, a certain segment of this market. Yeah, I think I think we got lulled into a comfort level with the interest rates staying low for two years. And I think that what it did was it changed everybody's perception. I mean, you know, you and I can look at it and say, okay, so today, let's say with discounts, everything, so we can get a 3% variable rate today. And, and we know that, you know, you're looking at somewhere around 4% for a fixed. When you take a look at that historically, that is still decent, you know, when we talk about interest rates. You know, you know, a lot of people say, yeah, Todd, talk about, you know, the 12 and 15% that other people paid, you know, years ago. But oh my I, gosh, I, that's I, a whole show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But when we take a look at the interest rate today, it's still not that out of control. It's what people have done with it. Well, what, but out of curiosity, I'm still trying to remember because uh, small, you know, two multiple lockdowns with small children have fried my brain. What were the interest rates in February 2020? I think we're still hovering around the same. We are you know, actually, I, good point. <laughs> so I, from a, I think so much of this is psychology, obviously. I think the, you know, the caveat to a statement like that of, you know, these interest rates, as scary as they are, um, or as scary as we feel they are, they're still pre-pandemic levels. Well, I mean, housing prices are substantially higher, so we have to sort of throw that in the hopper. But I, so much of this, 
the game changed, right? Like how many people were viewing the stress test as just this sort of inconvenient fact getting in the way of what the bank would give them, as opposed to seeing it as sort of the emergency break. Um, most people I know, they would sit there and go, oh, we have to be stress tested at X. So this is what we can afford. Where now we're actually sitting here going, okay, well, the stress test, you know, did it save everybody from getting into hot water? No, absolutely not. But by and large, you know, the, the territory we're wading into, we're ready for that because people, um, unless we're getting into you know, secret secondary mortgages and all of that, but the average consumer who went into a bank and wanted to buy their first house and did the whole thing, they're sort of prepped for this. Um, it's it's the outliers, I think. Yeah. Listen, Bryn, always a pleasure having you on the show. Look forward to having you join us again. Um, what is the best way for our listeners to reach out to you? Usually email is best, which is Bryn at chestnutpark.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at Bryn Lackey. Well, thanks once again for this. Thanks so much. Well, that's it. You know, boy, it doesn't take long. You know, it's amazing. I love having our guests join us, especially uh, the people that have so much knowledge. I just want to thank Bryn Lackey once again for joining me. Uh, always great. You can catch your column, by the way, in the Toronto Sun. And uh, I do want to thank Stacey Evoy joining me, um, president of the Ontario Real Estate Association, and Dave Butler from BM Select. Always great to get his take. Not always one that I want, though, when we know that the Bank of Canada decided to put a little bit of pressure on interest rates. Um, but you know what, folks? Uh, I will try to keep you up to date as things change, evolve in the real estate market, as I do every single week. But I can't do it without my producer, Ian Grant. He keeps it simple for me. And most importantly, I can't do it without you tuning in and making us the number one real estate talk show. So I am your host, Todd C. Slater. I will be back next Sunday at noon. As usual, you've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010 Toronto.